Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Kendall Bazam, CMO at Fund That Flip. Kendall, it is great to have you on the show. Awesome to be here, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Engage Your Tribe is brought to you by Tribal Knowledge Podcasting. We help B2B brands use podcasting to have authentic, non-salesy conversations with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. You can learn more at tribknowledge.com. Okay, so Kendall, tell us about your background in marketing and about Fund That Flip. Sure, I'd love to. My background, I would say, is a little bit unorthodox for a marketer. Uh, I actually got started in the humanities. I was pursuing my PhD, of all things. And when I realized that academia was not for me, I kind of looked around and thought, what am I going to do? So I actually kind of fell into marketing. And if I had to describe what marketing was at the time, I don't think I could give you a very good definition. So it was a lot of bootstrapping. I got a job as a data analyst that kind of moonlit as a email marketer for a technology company. So cut my teeth there, eventually found my way into product marketing, which was very, very focused on refining messaging and value proposition for an enterprise real estate software company. So got a ton of experience there, got some global marketing experience and really learned the value of engagement with a customer and user research. And it was just an incredible experience, got to learn from amazing peers. After that, I took a turn at an agency for a little bit. And then serendipitously, I really fell into the, the startup world when our founder, Matt, was looking for really his first initial marketing manager for Fund That Flip. He had been scaling the company at the time and had about 15 people and was really looking for someone to, again, dig into that messaging and do user research and customer profiles and personas. And, you know, I, I, I took the plunge and haven't looked back ever since. Very nice. Very nice. And, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you as we, we shared when we spoke a little bit before, I'm also kind of a refugee from academia, went down that path a little bit. And, and here I am doing a podcast about marketing, you know, and it's, you're, you're so right when you're in that academic bubble, the, the, the business world is totally remote. It, you're, we're pretty much totally cut off from it. Absolutely. Right. And things like yeah. marketing, you're just like, what, I, you know, you don't, you really don't even know what it means. It was a completely different language that I had to learn. And as somebody that came from a language background, I was like, okay, this seems like a fun challenge for me to, to dive mm -hmm. into. So, you know, the industry I got into, which was real estate, also had its own language in addition to that right. layer of the business language. So definitely a challenge, but really pretty exciting. And, and I think that you would probably speak to as well. You got to draw from some of the, I guess, strategies that you had learned as an academic and, and mm -hmm. really apply them to real, real world situations, which made it very fulfilling. Yeah, definitely. Right. Just like the, the background and research, the ability to dig in and to think clearly and analytically. Right. Yeah. And then you get into the business world. You're like, oh, this is fascinating, too. It's just as interesting as anything else. You know, when you when you get it, when you get into the details of it and the challenges yeah. of it, for sure. Absolutely. So, so tell us about Fun That Flip. Sure. Well, so the headline I would give is, you know, if I had to put it on LinkedIn, it would be Fund That Flip, a real estate focused fintech company. And what that means in actuality is we are a two-sided marketplace platform. So we service both sides of residential real estate investing. And what's interesting about it is that both sides of the marketplace actually call themselves investors. So I'll try to break it down a little simply. Okay. On the one side, we have active real estate investors, people that are 
doing this as their full-time job. They're real estate entrepreneurs. They're flipping, they're building homes. They have rental portfolios. They're really doing it as their full-time job. So you can think of them like the chip and the Joe of, you know, the, the mm -hmm. markets that we're in. And then, so we provide the financing for those investors to scale the projects that they're doing. So scale their portfolios, build more houses, do more flips. On the other side of the marketplace, we've established an online platform where passive investors who are looking to make attractive returns on their investments can go in and actually invest in those loans. So they don't actually have to have the know-how of restoring um, a flip or building a new construction. They can just passively go to the platform and browse the deals that we have available and, you know, uh, see what works for their investing portfolio and make some pretty attractive returns. And what's so interesting about it and attractive to passive investors is that typically, you know, it looks a little bit different. It's a different asset class than, you know, the typical stocks and bonds that they might be investing in. So it's a nice kind of different alternative for them to explore. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks for that. Well, that. That is so cool. What a great idea for a business. We had a lot of luck. Our, our founder actually, you know, kind of put two and two together because he himself had faced the challenge of finding financing for his own flips back mm -hmm. in um, 2014, I think it was. Yeah. And he was doing a little bit of online investing at the time with, you know, Lending Club and, lend, you know, those those types of online investment platforms. And he thought, well, I wonder if I could bring kind of these two sides of the marketplace together for residential real estate. And there was some legislation at the time that enabled that kind of investment online and two and two together and fun that flip was born. Wow. Cool, cool origin story. And I think that's that's how a lot of businesses come to be, right? The the founder is facing some kind of problem in in their in the, the trying to get something done, trying to solve a problem, searching yeah. for who can help me solve this? Oh, yeah. wait a minute. Maybe I should create the solution and help other people like me. So there, there exactly. you go. Yeah. So now I know that as a marketer, you deal with a challenge that a lot of marketers face, which is that you have several competing priorities in terms of your messaging and your audience, and you're dealing with multiple channels. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a strategy for staying consistent with that messaging across all those channels. So, so tell us about that. How, what is your strategy for keeping everything together? That's such a good question, Jeremy. And it's, it's something that, you know, since day one at Fund That Flip, it's, it's been on my mind, but it's, it's also what makes marketing and engaging, you know, with, with your audience and with your customer base, so exciting. So, you know, as we spoke to a little bit earlier, we have the two-sided marketplace and those are two very different segments and audiences that, have different challenges and they have different ways that they're finding out about us and different different goals that they have. So that means that our messaging looks a little bit different for both sides of that marketplace. Mm -hmm. And so my North Star, and this is typically, you know, something that I impart on my team as well, and we talk about all the time, is what is our hierarchy of messaging and what are the core values that are that are fundamental to fund that flip that we have to deliver on in every single message. So when I talk about messaging hierarchy, what I mean is when we take a look at the business goals that we have, which is usually, you know, driving origination in our world, it's called origination volume and revenue and repeat customer rate. Those are the metrics that we look to to establish the customer that we go after first. So for us, that was really the active investor side. 
we just we determined that you know the goals of the business meant that you know we need to achieve these certain certain metrics and to do that our primary messaging is going to be going after that active real estate investor now now that we have that active real estate investor as our kind of let's call it our primary audience we're going after we can then start to think about the other layers of audiences that we also are speaking to so the second side of the marketplace the passive investor we could call that our secondary layer now, what's interesting is that there are also other stakeholders that we as marketers are, are communicating with on a daily basis. So, you know, we may have outside venture capital investors that are investing in the business itself. Mm-hmm. We have to deliver a certain message and value proposition to them. We as a company are rapidly growing and we have to attract really good talent and get them to be committed to, you know, this mission that we have and capitalize on, you know, their talent as well. So, you know, as an employer, we have messaging that we're putting out into the marketplace as well. So once we've kind of established that messaging hierarchy, then we look to the brand truths and the values that are fundamental to fund that flip. So one example of that, I won't go through all of them, but one of them is transparency in, in everything that we do. And we think that's absolutely core to our value proposition. And that's interesting too, because historically real estate has not been the most transparent industry of all industries. So that's one of our differentiators. It's one of our core Mm -hmm. brand values. So when we're thinking about developing messaging in that hierarchy, we always need to think back to, okay, how is this going to be delivering transparency to those layers of that audience? And if we have messaging that we can't actually say delivers that transparency, well, then we need to rethink it. So we like to use that as our North Star, again, kind of that hierarchy and then going mm-hmm. to what are our core values. Okay, excellent, excellent. That makes a lot of sense to, to it, it, as a way of simplifying things, right? You know, that no matter who you're talking to, exactly what the topic is, there's mm-hmm. always a thread that pulls everything together. Right. And, and, you know, it actually, it makes me think about academia, academia a little, a little bit. Like when I used to teach, trying to teach like young college students, how to write a college paper. I'm like, you need a thesis, yeah, right? Exactly. Like yeah. you need a central idea that you're trying to get through and that everything has to round back to that, to come back to it. Yeah. And on the one hand, it's kind of simple, but it, it's not so easy to pull off always though. Even if you, in theory, you know, okay, that's what we need to do. Totally. Still, it takes a lot of work and planning to actually execute it. It does. And it takes a lot of iterations as well. And, and I would say that, you know, we as a company did not get it right the first time and we're, we're not always getting it right. So Mm -hmm. it's, that's what I love about having a team that is committed to continuing to iterate and thinking about, you know, how do we grow and how do we grow our messaging? Because it has to be organic and it has to be responsive to, you know, what your audience wants to hear and what's going to help them solve their problems. And sometimes that changes over time too. Mm. So that's a, that's actually a trend that we have seen in the evolution of the business. Our messaging at the beginning, you know, may have been focused on kind of, you know, the features of what we offered to our customers, but ultimately it's evolved and we have found it's much more resonant when we focus on, okay, what are we solving? What problems are we solving for you? How are we providing you those solutions? So 
I I would say that don't be afraid to evolve your messaging over time and continue to reevaluate it because it could be evolving and changing as your audience's needs change. I mean, I I would think that's inevitable, right? Like as a marketer, if your messaging isn't changing, then something's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And that doesn't mean, and it's not because, because like you screwed up. It's just inevitable. You have to start somewhere with like a hypothesis and then you learn as you go, you know, from, from your customers for sure. So now you just brought up something I think that's really important. That's a nice, next, a nice segue into, into the next question on my list. You talked about messaging that really resonates with what really matters to your audience and how that's a moving target sometimes. Hmm. So how do you kind of dig down to stay on top of that, to, to not just find what really connects with the audience, but to keep finding it and keep renewing it? How do you do that? Yeah, that's a great question, Jeremy. I, I would say that there's pro, there's two ways that we like to think about it as, as a marketing team. There's definitely the quantitative way of seeing, you know, what is working, what is resonating. And you can see that, you know, in the different channels that you're messaging on. So social media is a good example because it has built in metrics that tell you people are retweeting this or they're liking it or they're re-engage- they're engaging with it. They're sharing it on their different different networks, that gets you a pretty quantitative way of understanding, Mm -hmm. okay, I've got some metrics attached to this. I think it's working. Qualitatively, we like to pair that on the other side with the quantitative measurement. So I'm a lazy marketer in a lot of ways. (laughs) And I like to, what I like to do is actually simply survey prospects and customers and say, okay, you know, how do you think about the challenges that you're facing? You know, you're looking to scale your business. You want to get more investment properties under your belt. You want to get more projects more quickly. So how do you think about this? You can do that in like a pure survey, like, Mm -hmm. you know, very, you know, pretty simple and straightforward survey. You can do it, you know, in, in a simple conversation with them. You can do it by looking at their social media and seeing the way that they're talking about their problems and then adopting that you know, that, that qualitative research to what you're actually doing, you know, in your marketing. So I like Mm -hmm. to, to challenge my team to do listening, social listening, to pick out phrases and to bring those into, you know, we, we use a tool called Miro and we just kind of put down all these phrases and thoughts and start to sift through them and see, okay, what are we using in our messaging and what are we not using? What can we start to incorporate and then really start to weather balloon it, you know, push it out into, into your social media, into your email mm-hmm. marketing and see if it's getting that quantitative engagement. So kind of a mm-hmm. two-sided approach, I would say. Yeah. It doesn't really sound lazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like, it's like with anything too, like, you know, if people are familiar with, you know, doing any sort of exercise routine, like the more that you get into it, like the easier it is. And the more often yeah. you do it, you just kind of get into it. So I think about it that way. Once you're into it, it's kind of like, it's it's that muscle memory of just doing reps. Yeah, no, I hear you. But by the way, I think that could be a cool title for like a marketing book, The Lazy Marketer. <laughs> If, it, it, you're first, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like there, unless it already exists, I bet it does, but I like that. Or that could be a good podcast, The Lazy Marketer. I like so that. So anyway, yeah. okay. So now you guys, you guys, like a lot of marketing, like a lot of marketers, you have multiple channels. At what point do you feel that like multiple becomes too many? Yeah, that's such a, that's hard. It's hard to, to really, you know, be able to measure that sometimes. But yeah. I think you got to trust your gut. If you feel like, you know, you're just kind of 
going onto new channels for the sake of going onto new channels because, you know, TikTok seems popular or, you know, because all your competitors have, you know, are, are all doing display advertising or whatever it is. Like, mm -hmm. I would say, pull it back to whatever that North Star is and whatever that messaging it, that, that core value proposition is that you have for your audience. So if your, you know, North Star is, is about revenue generation, well, think about, you know, is that channel actually going to deliver those results? And it could be. So like, you know, experiment with it and put yeah. some, you know, put some trial behind it. But if it's not giving you those results, you know, I would, I would say seriously start to think about, well, maybe this, you know, is not necessarily the right channel for us because it's really just not delivering, you know, what we think the audience needs. Yeah. A, a pretty simple way of approaching it. Mm -hmm. It's just because it's there doesn't mean that it's a good channel for you. If, yeah. if your audience is there, good. If not, then probably not a good, not a good fit. And, and like you say, simply measure it over time yeah. and then make a decision. And it's, probably a gut kind of a gut call in, in some way, like you say. And what's really interesting too, Jeremy, kind of going back to an earlier theme is that what works today might not work in two years from now. So right. just because you're writing off a channel today or you're, or you don't have the resourcing to think about a strategy on Instagram today, that doesn't mean that, you know, in a year from now, it might, that it actually might make sense. You might have some additional folks on your team or some, you know, bandwidth to actually explore that channel and have a strategy there, or the audience might have shifted as well. So I would say again, like to the, to the idea around constant improvement and constantly reevaluating what's working. Don't be afraid of things that haven't worked in the past, not working today. Yeah. Right. So you hear that all you marketers out there, you know, you're, you're not busy enough already. <laughs> you, you need to spend even more time evaluating all these things. And it's, but the thing is, that's totally true. No mm -hmm. one has enough time to do all this stuff. And yet you kind of have to, it's, it would be a full-time job just staying on top of the, the latest marketing technology. There's so much of it yeah. and, and new stuff every day. It's like, yeah. but if you don't stay on top of it, how do you know what you should be using? It's true. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it is a total balancing act because, yeah. you know, you can get in the trap of like FOMO and, and, and thinking, mm -hmm. you know, just because my competitors are doing it, I have to do it. Definitely not always true. And like something that had been a mindset of mine before and we failed resoundingly at, like, you know, we had seen some competitors doing mm -hmm. some things and we, we tried doing that didn't work and, and that's okay too. Good for you. Right. I mean, f failure is the best way to learn, to learn stuff learn what doesn't work, learn what works, right? I mean, I, when I think about most of the things I've learned in my life or in, in just in business that actually matter, it's it's after many of failures that didn't work that led me inevitably to the thing that's like, oh, okay, this is the thing. Yeah. The only, but I had to go through that gauntlet or whatever you want to call it to get there. Just have to. Totally. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. So a couple quick questions at the end here. What's been your main focus so far in Q1? Yeah. Q1 has been for us all about scaling the team while maintaining performance, you know, of our core KPIs. So it, this is a very conscious decision that, that I had to make when, when I was a marketing team of, you know, three to four, we were all about optimization of our acquisition cost or mm -hmm. driving conversions. And today, you know, I, I very focused on getting additional people on my team and doing it in a way that is sustainable. But that means that I'm deprioritizing pure optimization of the metrics. 
So that means I got to be okay with seeing some metrics that may be not as great as I've expected in the past. So my acquisition costs might go up, my lead count might go slightly down, and that's okay because I'm making that trade-off of really laser being laser focused on getting a team up to speed, onboarding them, teaching them the business so that they can go back and take the reins and then really start to drive optimization again. Okay, excellent. You mentioned KPIs, so let's talk about that. What are the three top KPIs that your bosses most focus on? Sure. So from for my realm, which is inclusive of marketing, but really all of kind of customer acquisition and engagement, we look really closely at customer acquisition cost. So mm -hmm. it's a pretty simple calculation for us. It's, you know, what have we spent on marketing and sales and dividing that by the number of customers we've acquired in that time period. So pretty laser focused on that. The flip side of that is lifetime value. So what is the lifetime value of those customers that is being represented by, you know, the profitability that they're bringing us? So we're pretty, we look at that pretty tightly and look at that over time and see how that's increased. And also that ratio of lifetime value to acquisition cost, because we may be driving lifetime value up, but it, as long as we're ensuring that we have a good ratio with acquisition cost, we're okay with spending a little bit more to acquire. Mm -hmm. So those are our top two. I would also say, you know, a really important one for any business is thinking about customer retention and repeat customer rate. You know, it's all well and good to acquire a bunch of customers, but if they can't come back or if they don't come back and, and don't do repeat business with you, well, that is, you know, a one-time event that it's not giving you that kind of compounding value. So all those three kind of, all those three metrics in motion together are really what make up the performance of our customer acquisition and marketing. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That was on my mind today too. In fact, I had a meeting with my business coach and we talked about customer retention. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I should, I should probably pay more, pay more attention to that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and finally, what do you and your team hope to accomplish throughout 2022? So many things. I'll give you the, I'll give you the aspirational one and then I'll give you okay. the real, the, the, the one in practice. Okay. So, Aspirationally, we are at a really amazing and exciting inflection point in the business where, you know, we've actually outgrown our name, which is pretty, which is, you know, historically it's served us pretty well. It's pretty explanatory. We do mm -hmm. funding for flips, but at this point, you know, we're doing more than funding for, for just the flip real mm -hmm. estate project. We do new construction, we do rental, we have the crowdfunding, you know, the passive investing piece of the business. So aspirationally, we really want to transform the brand into being synonymous with all areas of real estate investing. What that means in practice is that this year, you know, as I scale my team and I start to, you know, work with them to lay the foundation for that future growth and expansion of what the business means and the brand is, it's it's really starting to again, thinking back to the the messaging hierarchy establishing what that messaging is as we take it out into the market. And we say, okay, this is who we are. We want to be synonymous with real estate investing. Here's how we're going to do it. And it's really cool and exciting because, you know, we've had some outside investment in the business, which is a nice confirmation that we're on the right track. And, you know, with the excitement, I guess you could call it, in the real estate market these days, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's another kind of external confirmation that, you know, this is an asset class that is really kind of interesting to folks. So, you know, we have kind of those, I guess, factors kind of playing in. And I, at the same time, we're working to really lay down that foundation that gets us to the next level of, 
being more than just kind of a lender, a financing platform. So that's what I want to establish for this year is, again, you know, grow my team in a sustainable and scalable way and start to lay the foundation for the visionary aspect of the brand that we have. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a cool position to be in for the whole company and for you as CMO. I mean, that's like, you're just on the precipice of great things. It sounds like. It's, I think it's so fun, like as a marketer to be in these, I think, I think if you're a marketer, I think you, you're definitely open to challenges and it's these mm -hmm. times like these where you really get to flex kind of both sides of the brain, you know, the analytical yeah. side and the creative side mm -hmm. and not just that, but like be really smart about when to turn one side on and like when to turn the other side off. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty exciting time. We're really, we've had so much growth and it's, it's been a thrill. That is so awesome. Well, thanks for sharing all that, Kendall. What a wonderful conversation. I can't thank you enough for your time and for sharing all those insights. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jeremy. I had a blast. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.